Let us pray. O Lords, may our mere human words be faithful to your written word and always point to the living word, who is your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it's lovely to be here with you today. Uh, thank you for inviting me. It's a wonderful occasion and wonderful to be here for you, Yohita, and the rest of the church family with you as you become one with us in this way. Thank you. And, uh, well, as Jan suggests, it's been a bit of a trip down, but it's well worth it. <laughs> and I think it doesn't compare to the trip that Christ made for us. The length that he went to to save us. And so, as I reflect on these beautiful readings from Scripture today, one of the things that struck me was a common motto, a phrase that we often see on T-shirts and on bumper stickers of cars and sometimes even on roofs of certain faithful households, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. And I believe that and hope that Jesus would accept that language himself that we use about him. Although we also see in the gospel stories, particularly in John's gospel, but in the others as well, that he always insists that he doesn't only point to himself. He's serving his loving father in the power of the spirit. And so, as was suggested earlier by our music team, it's always teamwork brought by God. And we see this also in our readings today, that salvation, the will of God for all of us, is not just a one-man show. Because by definition, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune God, after which this community was named, and to which God it witnesses, but also that salvation, by definition, involves us. Of course, it depends on God's power, but we also need to accept it and live for it. If you are in trouble in the water and you can't swim and you're going under, it wouldn't be advisable to refuse help. You won't make it if you do. God wants to save us, but wants us to accept his saving power. So it involves, he wants our cooperation. 
He wants us to grow in him and to learn to swim in this challenging environment we live in. It's interesting that when Jesus spoke to his disciples, so many of them who had been making a living catching fish to provide food for the community, he suggested to them, I would like actually to make you fishers of men and women to not just provide food for their tables, but also to point them to God. And as we were just thinking about this imagery of how much help we need in order to survive the challenges that we face in the watery world, we need fellow lifeguards. And that is, in a way, what we're called to be as Christians for each other. Jesus saves, but we're on the team. Growing in how he teaches us to help others in his salvific plan. So I just wanted to emphasize that because we see that in our gospel story today that God's plan of salvation often so extraordinarily works in unexpected ways and involves people that we didn't anticipate, inviting them to be of help. And I do want to say, too, that the salvation that we work with and for, God wants our cooperation, but of course God is all-powerful and can save anyone. I think this is one of the points that Martin Luther wanted to make in the Reformation when he surprisingly insisted that, well, we can still baptize children before they can say they believe, because he was trying to make the point that it's not solely about human choice. It should involve human choice, and we believe that when we baptize young children that we want to work and nurture and nourish our young people to grow in faith and to learn how to swim. But it's never simply either or. It's God working in and through each and every one of us. God reaches out to Mary amazingly, for her help with the salvation of humanity. In our gospel reading today, Mary is visiting her older family member, Elizabeth, who is surprisingly also expecting a child against everyone's expectations. She's, she's pregnant. And when Mary comes into her presence, there's a bit of a signal that the child in, in her kicks up a fuss and he's going to continue to do this for quite some time to prepare the way for the Lord. But this also is a signal that he's already doing it. And Elizabeth feels that and says, oh my goodness, <laughs> the mother of our Lord is among us. Now it's quite striking. Um, even in modern 
films that you don't see many moments of conversation between females without some guy in the background. Um, I don't know how Luke got hold of this story himself, but we're grateful that he conveyed it to us. And Elizabeth here, she's married to a priest and has had to bear the personal pain of not being able to have children. In her day, and sadly in many places today, this is a bit of a stigma for married women. And suddenly she's expecting someone. It does reflect to an extent also the earlier story of Sarah and Abraham, who also were asked to trust in God against the odds. And then we have Mary, small town girl, approached by this heavenly messenger and told that she, if she's willing, would bear the Lord. And this all before she has fulfilled her vows with her fiancé. You can imagine how both of these situations were quite problematic for the social environment around them. Um, how they coped with it, I don't know. I can imagine people saying, oh, Mary, yeah, that's a nice story you're telling, but we think you're covering for some other things you've been getting up to. I'm really glad they didn't have tabloids and social media back then for her sake. But it's true that what she was asked to do and what was about to happen was unprecedented and would have been far-fetched and mind-boggling in any age. And yet, Mary has faith. A faith willing to take this risk, to put herself in God's hands and to participate in his salvation plans. It's difficult to take in, but it should be that God would ask a human to help God become human. It seems crazy, and of course, on paper and from certain perspectives, it seems completely illogical. But you know, I think even science asks us to keep our minds open. Some of the great scientists in history have always insisted on leaving the door open to new discoveries, even if at that time they don't have the laboratory devices to be able to analyze. Just because things can happen that we haven't personally witnessed or approved doesn't mean they can't happen. And if that's our test, then, well, we're rather blind mice caught in a maze, having difficulty thinking outside the box. I think it's perfectly rational to leave something open 
to the impossible. And Mary and Elizabeth model this for us, also with humility and great courage. They are willing to work with their creator, to help us. Of course, if you'd asked them if they'd been told what was going to happen, what John the Baptist would get up to Elizabeth, what would Jesus get up to? The awesome things that they would proclaim and also the price that they would both pay for it. How would a mother react? And yet these two bravely accepted to take part in this. They recognized that it was bigger and greater than they could fathom, and they went along with it. And I'm greatly humbled by that. And it's not just a story of Mary and Elizabeth's endurance, patience, faith, and humility, but the fact that God would choose to work through humans is quite extraordinary and shows God's care and sensitivity and even humility. Mary will give birth to someone who will teach us that our Savior actually is a servant to us. This would have struck many people in that age as odd too. How can God humble himself for us? And yet, this is what God shows and does. Mary and Elizabeth also, they are a blessing and an example to us. And we often think of blessings as the prizes we get when things go well. But both of them were having very hard lives and would continue to. And yet, they saw blessings even then. Blessings in situations that are difficult. Do we affirm each other in such situations? Do we look for God's grace working in hard moments? Elizabeth and Mary are blessings to us for this too. And when she gets the accolade from Elizabeth, Mary breaks out in a song of praise, which is one of the oldest pieces of music Christians have been singing for well over a thousand years. And no wonder, because it captures the core of the gospel, really. God's loving work and saving work that defies our human expectations. It proclaims God's will for humility, for justice and integrity, but also his fidelity. God is faithful to us, despite what we read and hear. Down through time, he has made good his promise to Abraham and Sarah and the rest of us who follow them as children of God. God is faithful. He keeps his promises. Mary's song 
reflects also Hannah's song when she was finally granted a child, Samuel. These people saw God's promise come true for them, and we need to keep looking for it for us because it is coming. And of course, the other aspect of lifting up the poor and turning down the rich and wealthy and avaricious, these things come out in Mary's song. And it shows how the Magnificat, which we call it based on the first words where she, uh, her soul is magnified in the Lord. It shows how the Lord in his kingdom is going to turn the world upside down to make it right again, to make it about justice and care and compassion. His kingdom will come and we are to work in it and toward it with John the Baptist with Elizabeth and Mary, and with Christ himself, all as children of God. We're invited to help, to collaborate, to cooperate. We are all part of the family. And this is what is going to happen as we experience today in baptism. Jesus met with his friends. He said, I'm a servant. That shocked them. He lived that way and yet he was their Lord. And then he said, you know, you are servants too, but you are also my friends. And then he's calling us into family with God, praying to his Father and welcoming us to be children too. And this is what Paul comes across with in his letter to the Galatians, that, you know, we're all children of God through faith in Christ. As we've been baptized in Christ, so we are clothed in Christ and we are children with Christ of God. Doesn't matter how we were born, where we were born, under what circumstances, we can call God our Father. He uses the word Abba that Jesus uses, Daddy. This is an invitation for us to have an intimate relationship with the infinite almighty God. It's incredible and it should be, but it's made possible through Christ in the loving care of the Father and by the power of the Spirit. All of this was perhaps unexpected, but it is glorious and joyous and we celebrate it today. We can't always expect how things are going, but we need to keep the faith, just as Mary and Elizabeth and all who were for her and many since have done. God has deliberately made his plan out of this long chain with many links, says Jane Williams, each one of them fragile, each one of them necessary. Who knows how many times links were broken as people rejected their place in the plan, yet God is not thwarted. He simply waits and works and mends the chain. We are invited to be part of the chain, part of the family, to live humble lives of integrity in fidelity to God, 
Today and always with Mary, let us ponder and give thanks for what God makes possible in incredible and unexpected ways in our lives. Let us humbly accept it and joyfully celebrate it. And also, let us play our part as fellow family members, working also as friends and lifeguards as need be. Amen.